sorry about that. So, um, so I want to start this morning uh, the message with, uh, I want you to think about uh, where you're from. What town did you grow up in? What town were you born in? Was it a, was it a big city or was it a small town or, or something in between? Maybe, maybe it was a little bit of both. When I think about the town that I grew up in, which is the town of Murfreesboro, uh, I kind of feel like I grew up in a small town, uh, but I live in a bigger city now, and it's the same place. And uh, so I think I've got an appreciation for, for both the big city and the small town. I think, I think they each have their strengths and their challenges, and I think we can learn a lot from, from the experience in both of them. Uh, but this week I was thinking especially about about the small town. And um, I read an article about small towns that I wanted to share with you today, and, and it, uh, it was telling about the, the smallest town in the United States. Does anybody know the smallest town in the United States? It's in Nebraska. Uh, it's a city, I think this is the right pronunciation, Manawi, Nebraska. And uh, do you want to know what the population in Manawi, Nebraska is? How many, I, I tell you, I'll give you three choices that so you can guess, okay? Um, a is 100. B is 10, and C is 1. How many think, how many think it's, it's A, 100? B, 10, C, 1. All right, if you chose C, you're right, because the smallest town in the U.S., Manawi, Nebraska, has a population of 1. <laughs> Her name is Elsie Eller, and she's 85 years old. And uh, the article said she's the mayor, she's the treasurer, she's the county clerk, and she's the owner of the only restaurant and, and bar in town called the local Manawi Tavern. <laughs> and the article talked about how uh, she pays herself taxes and she approved her own liquor license for, for the. <laughs> uh, but it was a great little article, and it's such a sweet little lady. Um, but it got it, it was really neat, and, and the article talked a lot about the the uniqueness of small towns, and it reminded me of the town that I grew up in, that small town of Murfreesboro. And I'm, I'm reminded of that often. And one of the main times that I'm reminded of it is when we go to what my daughter calls the town square. And, um, and last weekend was the, the annual tree lighting, Christmas tree lighting on the square. And so we went down to the town square and we set up uh, camp chairs in the parking lot of the courthouse and, and watched the kids sing and, and dance to Christmas carols and it ended with the lighting of the Christmas tree. We had dinner with our friends, the, the weavers at Marina's, which was actually Don's when I was a little boy. And so um, it always, it always I love going to the town square and, and remembering what it was like when I was a kid and also seeing kind of what it's become now. And, and it was one of those many uh, moments that I have on a regular basis that I'm so thankful to live in Murfreesboro. Uh, for me, growing up here and living here has been such a blessing. And one of the things that I love about it now is that it really does have uh, the best of the big city and a small town all kind of wrapped into one. And I think our, our town square is, is kind of a, an example of that, for me at least. Uh, I think there's, um, and maybe you feel this way too, but I think there's some things about living in a small town that you get that, that you miss living in a big city. Uh, now, there's lots of things that, that you miss out on uh, living in a small town that you don't get in the big city, but, but the opposite, I think, is true as well. 
Uh, one of the things that my dad always uh, grumbles about, you know, obviously is the traffic and all those things, right? But also it's, you know, when we go to restaurants now, he always talks about how when we used to go to a restaurant, we'd see everybody we knew, and now that's kind of more, more fewer and far between, right? Um, but I also think, you know, I think about that as our, our, our town gets bigger, uh, it becomes even more and more important for us to find a place where, where we can come and know people, right? I think that's an important uh, little plug for having a fellowship family, uh, that it's important for us to be known and to know people uh, in our community and to find a sense of community. Whether we've been here for years or whether we just got here, it's important to find community, right? And I think that's one of the beautiful things about uh, small towns is that many times there is that sense of community, uh, but one of the things I think sometimes uh, when you, you live in a small town or, or you're from a small town, that, that sometimes you can have a tendency to maybe have this feeling of, of that, that just because you're from a small town or you live in a small town that, that it's somewhat less than, right? That there's a sense of being inferior or, or insignificant. Uh, and uh, I remember when, when I moved away from Murfreesboro and I started to live in other places and visit some big cities, you know, um, if, if you're from, and maybe you've experienced this too, when, when you're from somewhere like, like Tennessee and you go somewhere else, you don't have to say too many words before they start to realize you're not from there, right? And they, so people ask you, oh, where are you from? And, and uh, for a long time, for me, what I would say was, you know, oh, I'm from, from Nashville or I'm from outside of Nashville because you think, well, that's, that's the noticeable place. That's kind of the, uh, the most well-known big city around us. Uh, people wouldn't know where Murfreesboro is or what Murfreesboro is all about. So I usually wouldn't say Murfreesboro. I'd say Nashville or, or near Nashville. Um, but what I've uh, begun to, to realize is that, that I'm proud of where I'm from, and I like to tell people where I'm from, whether they know where Murfreesboro is or not. And kind of Murfreesboro's gotten more on the map these days. But, um, but sometimes we, we can think of it as less than places like Nashville, those places that are kind of they call destination cities, right? Um, and I'll share all this with you today. There's a reason for it. Uh, as I was thinking about that this week and this idea of, of small towns, I think there, there can also be a tendency for us as, as individuals to sometimes feel uh, small, to sometimes feel maybe insignificant or less than. I wonder, I wonder if that's ever been the case for you. I wonder if you've ever thought, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just little old me. Uh, what, what possible difference could I make? Maybe, maybe I'm close to some, some people that are important or some, some big people, but, but what about me? I'm just small and insignificant. Sometimes I think it's easy for us to uh, believe the lie that just because we're small or just because we, we come from humble uh, beginnings or we are in humble circumstances, that we don't have significance or we can't have significance. That, that just because we're not doing quote unquote big things in the eyes of the world, that we're not having a big impact on the world around us. And, and I think that's even further perpetuated by uh, us living in a culture that sort of measures how big our influence is based on the number of, of, of likes or followers we have or the, the things that we have or the power or position that we have. And so uh, because of that, I think it's often uh, possible for us to just be in this constant pursuit of seeking bigger and better all the time. 
and, and when we do that, I don't know about you, but I think it's easy for, for us to think of ourselves as less than or like we don't measure up. And the reason why I wanted to share all of that today is because one of the amazing truths of this story that we share together at Advent, this Christmas story, the story of Jesus' birth, is that when God chooses the destination for his entry into the world, he doesn't choose the big city of Jerusalem. He chooses the small town of Bethlehem. And I think that's significant for, for folks like you and me. I think that little detail is packed with meaning for us. God cares about the details, and I believe that's there for an important reason. I happen to think that the implications of Jesus' arrival at this particular location is incredibly significant for folks like you and me. And, and here's why. We're, as I mentioned earlier, we're in the middle of this series called, uh, uh, called Roots, Advent and the Family Story of Jesus, and, and we're kind of exploring the context of the Christmas story, the, the facts that form the foundation of this story. And, and, and we're unpacking some, some big ideas, and kind of the three main big ideas are, that, are these, that, that Jesus came from a particular people. Uh, we talked about that last week. Uh, this week we're going to talk about how Jesus came to a particular location. And then next week we're going to talk about, uh, or kind of all this is wrapped up in the fact that Jesus came for a particular purpose. And, and so that's what we're kind of uh, exploring through this series. And so last week we talked about how Jesus came from a particular people, a people uh, called Israel. They were named after uh, the person who was named Israel. And that name literally means one who wrestles with God. And so last week we talked about how we come from a long line of wrestlers and how if we're honest, we wrestle. We wrestle with situations and circumstances in life. And sometimes we even wrestle with God about those things. And we talked about last week how it's so much better to wrestle with God than to wrestle without God. And so God invites us to, to bring those things to him, even those things that we wrestle with. And when we can bring those things to God, we, we find a peace that's, that surpasses our understanding, right? Um, we talked about last week how the path to peace, that was our theme last week, the path to peace involves this encounter with God that reminds us of his presence with us in the midst of all the chaos and conflict that's happening in our lives and in our world. And when we can put our trust in Jesus, the, the Prince of Peace, we receive that gift of God's peace that surpasses our understanding. It, it, it kind of supersedes our circumstances because when we begin to to trust that God is bigger than our circumstances, that, that God is bigger than anything we might experience or encounter and we can experience that peace. That doesn't mean that everything gets better or our problems go away. It just means that, that, that God is with us in the midst of it. That God's going to give us what we need to, to walk through it. It's the same with, with our theme this week, this idea of joy. Just like peace, the, the, the joy that we often talk about from a worldly perspective is a lot different than the joy that, that we find in the Bible See, last week we talked about how peace is not the absence of conflict and chaos. It, it, peace is the presence of God in the midst of chaos and conflict. And so this week, uh, what I want to talk about is that joy is, is different than 
than happiness, right? Joy, uh, a lot of times we, we pursue things that we think will find happiness. We find happiness in, in pursuing uh, possessions or positions or, or, or power, right? Those things that we think are going to make, make us happy if we could just get bigger and better. But what we find, I believe, in the Bible is that joy is about not finding possessions or positions or power. Joy is about finding purpose in life. And specifically, finding purpose in the places that God has planted us. Uh, and I think, again, we can learn a lot from small towns about this. I was thinking about it this week and just this being um, kind of the time, Christmas time. And, and I've shared this with you before, but one of the uh, Christmas traditions at the Carey household is we watch a lot of Christmas movies. And it seems like a lot of those Christmas movies happen to be on one particular channel, uh, the Hallmark Channel. Uh, anybody watch Christmas movies on the Hallmark Channel? There's a few honest people out there. I think the rest of y'all are probably just keeping that secret, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> but we watch a lot of Christmas movies uh, from the Hallmark Channel at our house. And one of the things that Abby and I talk about a lot is uh, that Christmas movies on the Hallmark Channel, really all movies on the Hallmark Channel, they kind of have uh, pretty much the same plot line, right? Uh, but specifically for what we're talking about today, they usually kind of have this, this contrast between the, the big city and the small town, right? The, the main character in most of those movies uh, usually comes from a big city or is living in a big city, and in the big city they have everything they want, or at least they think so, right? And then somehow through a series of unfortunate events throughout the movie, they end up in a small town, and what they discover in the small town is that there is everything that they never knew they always needed, right? And, and once they discover this new purpose in life, they're often willing to give up all the power and possession and positions uh, in the big city in order to pursue whatever this is here. They're willing to leave behind the pursuit of happiness in order to become, because they become content with this thing called joy, and they found it in this unexpected place. I, I think that's a little bit of, of what we can learn uh, about this idea of, of joy, that joy is found in unexpected places because uh, it, it's different than, than what the world teaches us about what's going to give us joy, what, where we're going to find true joy. Uh, and it's kind of represented in those ideas of, of, of the big city and the small town, I think. Now, sometimes in the big city, you see kind of this me mentality and, and everything's about pursuing bigger and better. But, but I think one of the things that we can learn from small towns is that it's usually about uh, you know, being content with, with what we have. There's more of a, a we mentality. There's a greater sense of community and gratitude and, and sense of pride and purpose in, in where we've been planted and what we can accomplish together. I think there's something special planted in places like, like small towns. And, and that's actually what I think we can learn from our scripture lesson today. I'm going to read for you a story uh, that, that focuses on probably the, the most famous small town in history, right? The, the, the little town of Bethlehem. Uh, as I was reading about it this week, it, uh, during the time of Jesus' life and ministry, the, the town of Bethlehem had less than 1,000 people in it. It was, it was less than six miles from the big city of Jerusalem that had exponentially more people. Um, and so you could imagine that Bethlehem might feel a little less than. Uh, if someone was from Bethlehem and they were telling somebody from Oklahoma or Alabama or wherever, somewhere else where they were from, they might just say, oh, from, I'm from outside Jerusalem, right? Um, 
But that was before Jesus was born. So I want you to hear this story that you've probably heard before. But I hope you'll hear it in a new light today as you think about uh, what a big deal this small town is. So hear this God's word for us today. Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 6. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. See, I think this is so, so powerful, so significant for us today. But I've never thought about it until this week. See, the, the, the magi, the wise men, they, they went to the big city looking for the king who they thought would be the one with all the power and all the position and all the possessions. But when they got to the big city, what they discovered was the chief priest directed them to the small town where they found everything they never knew they always needed, the Savior, the Messiah, it, the king but not a king of power and possession and position. This was a king with a purpose. This was a king that was a part of God's plan of salvation for the world. He was the fulfillment of God's promises through the prophets. That the, the chief priest quoted the prophet Micah, who 500 years before Jesus was born, spoke these words of, of purpose and, and promise to God's people. I want you to hear what it says. Matt, this is Micah chapter 5. This is the original, what they quoted. It says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Isn't that an amazing promise? That out of little Bethlehem, least among the tribes of Judah, God would raise up a shepherd, a savior, a Messiah to, to, to shepherd all the, the, the people of God. And that his power and reign would reach the ends of the earth. That's a, that's a great promise for anyone who, who might feel small or insignificant. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that God chose the small town of Bethlehem to be the, the destination of the incarnation. I'm so thankful that over and over again, if you look at the Bible and you read stories from the Old Testament leading up to the story of Jesus' birth, you find people like, like Gideon, who was the smallest from the, the weakest of tribes, that God raised up to be the leader of God's armies. That there was a little shepherd boy who was the least and the lowest of his brothers that was overlooked when they were looking for the next king of Israel. But the prophet came and, and anointed little David to be the king, the little shepherd boy. Which, by the way, Bethlehem is, 
is known as the city of David, right? So there's all these little pieces, these little details that lead us to this place where we see the significance of all the details of this story. See, a part of the good news of great joy that is for all people is that God often chooses the least likely people and places in the world to become the most legendary pieces of God's plan and purpose. That's good news for folks like you and me as we think about how God might work in and through our lives. I think uh, the Apostle Paul says it best in his letter to the Corinthians. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were before you were called. Not many of you were wise among human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world, the despised things, the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. See, the truth of God's word over and over again is that when folks like you and me, even though we might seem small and insignificant, when we discover that we have a plan and purpose for our lives that's, that's beyond our own pursuit of power or position or possessions, when we discover that God has a plan and purpose that, that involves us, then we can discover a joy that goes beyond our situation and circumstance because then we can even start to see our circumstances through the eyes of faith. We can start to believe that God might indeed have a plan and purpose for us that is particular to the people and the place that God's planted us. Does that make sense? The last bit of scripture I want to share with you this morning, it comes from the prophet Isaiah. This is the scripture that Jesus reads. He stands up in the temple and reads when he begins his, his public ministry. And he talks about the reason why he's come to this earth. And I want us to look at it today because I believe it's not only the purpose of Jesus' coming, I believe in a way it's the purpose of all of his followers in the places that, that we've been planted. So I don't want to just read it for you this morning. I want us to read it together. I want you to say these words out loud with me. And, and, and I want them to be for us not just an affirmation of faith, but, but a declaration of our purpose. So... So will you say these words with me today? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. We will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Amen. What could this look like if we believe that that God has placed us with the people and in the places that we are in for a purpose. And that that purpose is part of God's 
plan of salvation for the world. What could that look like? I bet just just hearing that this morning, there are probably some of you here today that say, not me. Maybe, maybe that person next to me, maybe that person who's a bigger and better Christian than I am. Um, because it, it's so easy for us to, to think that, to believe that lie, right? Let's just be honest this morning. Do you, do you feel small and insignificant? Do you feel like you don't have much to offer? Maybe you feel like you've been pursuing this version of happiness that's wrapped up in bigger and better. You've been comparing yourself to situations and circumstances that you see around you. Uh, or maybe maybe on social media. But maybe you've been trying to uh, compete with, with that person next to you at work or that, that family down the street. You know, maybe maybe we as a church have been trying to compete with the church down the street. You know, it's, it's 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 in some ways human nature for us to get caught up in competition and comparison. It's so easy for us to to pursue a, a version of happiness that prevents us from pursuing the kind of joy that's found in being content with what God has given us. That kind of contentment that's that's connected to God's plan and purpose for our life and the, with the people and the places that God has planted us. It's easy for us to do. But here's what I want to say to you today, just in closing. I believe that, that the fact that the Savior of the world was born in a small town is especially significant for you and for me today. I believe that it's a big deal because it reminds us of God's power and purpose what God can do through even small things and, and seemingly small people. That small doesn't necessarily mean insignificant when it comes to God's, what God can do in our lives. God can do big things in small places, in small packages. So what I want to encourage you this morning is whoever you are, wherever you are, wherever you've been, there is joy waiting for you and, and maybe in an unexpected place as you discover God's presence and provision and power and purpose in your life. You can know that. You can believe it. And, and one of the reasons why I think you can know it and believe it is because Christ our Savior was born in a small town, the little tiny town of Bethlehem. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your word that speaks to us and, and can speak through us as we, we live that out in our lives. God, I thank you that, that you care about the details. And I think that this, this seemingly small detail that we have been looking at today can have a big impact on our lives as we realize, Lord, that, that in your hands you can do great things in our lives. They don't have to be bigger and better things in the eyes of the world, but we just want to do things that that are big in your eyes. Lord, we thank you that just like you said through the prophet Samuel to, to David that, that human beings look at the outward appearance but you look at the heart. Lord, I pray today as we, we offer our hearts to you, as we open up our hearts to you that, that you would, would come and dwell there in a special way, God. That you would move in us in such a way, Lord, that we might 
have the faith and courage and confidence to step out into whatever it is that you have for us, Lord, to do and be what you've called and created us to be. That regardless of what our circumstances and our situations might be right now, that we might have peace and joy and hope in the truth that, that you love us, that you care about us and that you're caring for us and that you will walk with us through any, any situation and circumstance that we might go through in this life. Lord, we thank you that Jesus is God with us. We thank you for the good news that's ours. Lord, fill us with that kind of joy so that we might share it with those around us. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we sing our closing song today, uh, the ushers are going to come forward and we're going to do our offering, which is a little unusual for us, but you'll have an opportunity to do that today. I also want you to know as we sing our closing song, the, the altars are going to be open. So if you need to come and pray, I want to invite you to do that. Uh, if you want somebody to, to come and pray with you, I would, I would love to do that. Um, if you just need to stay in your seat and pray, if you just want to sing the words uh, to these, this last song that we're going to sing and just let these words speak to you, continue to speak to you today, whatever you, you need to do with just these last few minutes in our service, I want to invite you to take advantage of it, to, to be open to what God might be saying to you and how God might be calling you to respond. Uh, so let's, let's stand as we sing.